All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In podcast, episode number two twenty-eight. I'm your host Vince. Over there is your host Phil. Hey. In this episode, we are talking about Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And before we do that, I want to remind you to please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, and do try to leave a rating or maybe even a, a review. You can do that now on Spotify. I got an email telling me that you can rate us on Spotify. So in addition to Apple Podcasts, if you get your podcast on Spotify, give us a five-star rating. It really helps. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook. And emails can be sent to 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the T Public Three Drinks In Podcast merchandise store for all of your Christmas shopping needs, which you should do right now because it's December twenty first, and this, this this won't come out to, won't come out till tomorrow. So get on that, otherwise you're paying the expedi- the expedi- expedited shipping, and it's a big you know it's a big hassle. So pro tip. So. Have you gotten your holiday shopping done? Uh, yeah, everybody's getting um, coffee filters. I don't know. <laughs> they don't really have a lot in stock because of the, you know, uh, the madness of shopping crowds. People are stupid. I don't understand. I was surprised. I, I went out and I, I bought a new suit recently. I haven't bought a suit in over 10 years. And so I went out and bought a new suit. I was really amazed how many people were in a mall. Like, yeah, I was there yesterday. There was a lot of people at the mall. Like, I kind of figured that, like, between, you know, the plague and Amazon, that people kind of had that shopping bit covered. That there'd be nobody in the mall, but nah, they were (laughs) they were all in the mall. I'm like, why can't I find a parking space? This is insane. Like, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think the on top of the plague and all that, there's also supply chain issues. So, like, the shipping is taking a long time. I ordered a pair of shoes today. It's not going to come for another month. Jeez. Yeah, no. That's... I ordered I ordered face wash literally two months ago, <laughs> and it still has not come. And I've gotten emails saying, like, do you still want this? Because it's currently sitting and rotting on a, sh- on a cargo container in the Pacific. <laughs> And it's like, we know that your time is precious to you and you can probably just buy other face wash. But like, <laughs> I'm kind of curious, you know, it was like six bucks to see how long it's going to take to get now. Boy, it's uh, that's a lot of patience. I mean, and and you look filthy, by the way. So, so you should see my face. So. <laughs> Why don't you buy other? Uh, I don't good thing it's know. a good thing. It's a podcast and not a <laughs> YouTube thing. Yes, Jesus. Thank, thank God for the audio-only format. The mall, the mall was crowded. I was there yesterday, and it was in New York, and they have mask mandates again. And I'd say about half the people just weren't wearing them because people don't want to. People don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, although I don't blame them. Yeah, although like now it's just like it's it's just a matter of the hassle. Like, oh no, you got COVID. Now you can't do anything for the better part of ten days, like and like, uh, you know. And I wonder how many people are following that anymore, too. I guess so. Although, like, if you have little kids, like, I wouldn't know if what what to do. Like, I don't want to give it to my kids because, like, yeah, I'm sure it's they'll be fine. But I'd rather not be like, well, I'm sure I won't. They they won't get it that bad. I'll walk around without a mask in the house, and 
No, I got to like up in my life for a week. Yeah. Well, you know, there were people who, when this first started before there were even vaccines were like, well, I wasn't feeling good and I think I have it, but I'm still going to go somewhere. I know them personally. They told oh, me this like, well, you know, I'm oh. still just going to go. And it's like, okay. So if, <laughs> if I know people doing that, I'm sure now people are definitely like, well, I'm vaccinated and I don't care. If you're not vaccinated, it's your own fault. Yeah. If, it's, yeah it's, if, a big, it's a big old mess. If you don't feel good, just stay home for a couple of days. I'm sure your employer will give you the time off. Uh, yeah, I hope and so. Al- and also go get vaccinated for God's sakes. Yeah. So, speaking of a bygone era, though, before all of this, uh, is West Side Story. West Side Story. West Side Finally came Story. out. When, when did they film this? This was like 1998. <laughs> it's like we've been waiting a long time, like... Feels like it. Well, actually, yeah. I don't really care. So I, I didn't. I knew it was supposed to come out earlier, and it just they were just waiting and waiting. Yeah, I kept pushing it back. Cause like, no. So um. So I, I'm I'm not quite <laughs> sure where to begin. Like this is just it's such a monumental <laughs> topic, because the play is really famous, the songs are classic. The old movie is really famous, although it's terrible um, and really pretty racist. Um, and or, or at least, at, <laughs> at best, it's extremely insensitive. Is um, that the euphemism we're going with? I mean, if if we if, if we don't want to call some... <laughs> if we don't want to call every, everything racist, and and who does? Like we could say it's you know. Of its time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the dancing is iconic. And I was talking to my wife a minute ago. I'm like, what's the deal with the dancing in this show? And she's like, what do you mean? Like, like it's trademarked, right? And she's like, oh, yeah. Like, you, like, no matter. So, like, the choreographer never really, so far as I know, like, like when a high school decides to do, you know, cabaret or you know, anything goes, you know, the people who get credit for it in the program are the people who write the book, which is the the non-sung portion of the play, the lyrics and the music. That's pretty much it. That's who you, that, that's who you're paying when you're paying the rights. The money that you pay goes towards the company that puts out the book and the, the estates of the people who are, you know, who wrote uh, the, the musical but Jerome Robbins also gets a credit as the choreographer because the choreography was so iconic and incredibly intense that you're generally encouraged to do the choreography to like it's like printed and you can learn it it's like written I think it's written like into a book where you teach them how to do you know so, th- so when you're paying for West Side Story this is what you're getting and um so it's 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 a little bit unique in that regard. It's also Stephen Sondheim's first Broadway play, in in which he he did just the lyrics, not the. Um, I actually I I think he's just a lyricist. I don't know. I'm like waiting for a shoe to fly out of the wall and hit me in the head, from all the um, big theater nerds who know. listen to this podcast. But um, he, he he writes mostly lyrics. I think he also writes music. I don't. I'm, I'm not a huge Stephen Sondheim fan. Although the only funny joke I ever really heard on Glee that like 
I still think about is when like the main character has a crush on like a guy in the rival glee club and he's like trying to seduce her and he finds her in the library he's like i knew i'd find you here in the stephen sondheim biography section as if there was like an entire section of a library devoted to biographies about stephen sondheim um because you know he was a pretty big deal um pretty much deservedly so um anyway so like this was his first you know thing that people went oh this guy and kind of launched his unbelievable career which was like 50 years long at that point so um so yeah it's like it's just like a, it's a huge thing and it's more like you know and it's i mean how much of it do you think is the the show and how, and how much of it do you think is the fact that it's just romeo and juliet well um so I never saw the original West Side Story. And I only know the songs because we played them in a medley in band in like seventh grade. So all I knew was it was white guys and Puerto Ricans and it was a Romeo and Juliet. That's literally all I knew going into it. I mean, I think I saw one clip of it from when it was on TV and like we were just flipping channels and I was watching with my dad for five minutes. So I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I don't know what it is that people like about this movie. <laughs> but this because movie I or the original movie? Either. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what, because uh, I never saw the original. Oh, right. You said that. Sorry. Um, I was told, my wife saw it. We, we went together to see it, and she was filling me in on it, you know, after the, the one we saw this time, and all the changes they made, and they sound like they were made for the better. Um. If I know 60s Broadway musicals, you know, it was probably the music that was the biggest thing. And the plots were sort of like an afterthought. Um, and the music is good. I don't think it's great. That's just me. So, you know, I, I, I think it's the music that's the biggest point. And the dancing is next and then the story is last because the story really isn't that important. Yeah. And I, I think also Natalie Wood, you know, like her, uh, you know, she died tragically, murderously. It's not clear. It's, you know, it's the whole thing about her um, her dying. But also, like, you know, Rita, Rita Moreno's career took off after the movie. Um, Richard Beimer uh, played a character on DS9. who He played Tony in the in the original. He was uh, one of the guys that like Kira goes to rescue from like you know, like the like the one leftover concentration camp that the that the Cardassians keep uh, keep running, and he's like this big war like or you know big big hero guy, and they they go pull pull him, pull him out of there. Yeah, he, that's the guy from West Side Story. So, um, but yeah, no, the original movie is not good. It's. You know, it's not the worst movie ever, but it's really not good. And the fact that they just, you know, they just kind of pissed all over the actual cultural implications of what they were doing, which is ironic considering that that was what the story was about. And, I mean, it's also, it also has suffered from the fact that, it, like, it it wasn't a period piece because it was, you know, it was done in 1961, that's just what people looked like in 1961. So it was odd having a modern musical 
which is which is what it, what it was at the time. Yeah, actually, it takes place. It's actually the the movie was sixty one. The play was fifty seven. So, like you know, it, to say it's of its time is really hitting it on the head. Like it's of its time, both in the sense that, like we, you know, we kind of forgive them some of the, you know, less polite aspects of the, you know, the culture cultural awareness, and also like it was just like it was a fifties movie. You know, it's there was no there was no sort of like perspective to it. They were just making a a, a musical about the present day that happened to have the same story as, as Romeo and Juliet. And it mm-hmm. just doesn't, it doesn't hold up well at all. It's just, it's, it works better as a period piece. So, um, so I'm guessing you didn't like West Side Story. Um, I thought it was okay. You know, like it's, the music is okay. I, I think the best part about it was all the dancing and the choreography and the staging because when you watch a movie like, uh, I mean, it's not a great movie either, but I'm thinking, I was just trying to think of a another musical that I'd seen was uh, La La Land with Ryan, what's his name? Gosling, right? Ryan Gosling. Yes. <laughs> and um, that movie was doing a lot to take, you know, to draw attention to, you know where they were standing and how what the lighting looked like and and things like that whereas this movie had a lot of really great shots and sequences in it but they were not so showy that it was distracting you know like at one point he's singing up to maria about how wonderful she is i want to see her at nighttime and he's standing in a pool like it's like a puddle in the in the alley but the puddle is rippling and the lights are hitting the puddle and it looks really nice like it looks like the light is coming out of him you know, and there's several shots like that that look great, um, but they're not distracting you from the fact that he's singing and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, and I thought the dancing was handled well because it's inherently stupid. It's a stupid thing. <laughs> West Side Story is stupid. <laughs> most musicals are stupid. Um, this one is more stupid than most. And like, watching these tough guys dance around the stage and and knife fight one another while they like fling their hands in the air. (laughs) It's really hard to get over. There's some images, you know, that's the reason they don't make the Holocaust into a movie. That's a musical. Like some things just don't jive well together. I'm not comparing the Holocaust, this movie. I'm just saying that some things don't (laughs) don't go with dancing unless you want them to be stupid. So like, I was also thinking of Mel Brooks and the history of the world. And they did that stupid musical sequence about the the Spanish inquisition (laughs) where they're torturing all these Jewish people to convert. And, and that that's okay because it goes so far into the realm of the absurd that you don't even realize what you're really looking at, you know? Yeah. So the, my point is that watching this, I think they did an okay job of like, they would be fighting and dancing and acting like street toughs, but they would salt, they would switch between it, you know, like the opening scene where they're grabbing paint cans to destroy a Puerto Rican mural, I thought was really well done because they're basically marching through the streets and they're blocking traffic and they're like, you know, flicking people in the ear, but they mix it with spins and pirouettes and other kinds of dance moves. So it looks 
a little bit more natural, you know, and, and that's really tough to do that. The fight where he fights his buddy with the gun on the docks where they go, but they're wrestling over who's going to hold a gun. And it goes from like actually wrestling to dancing over, you know, uh, broken wood and uh, pits and things like that. And that's really well done. Um, but the rest of the movie, you know, it's just a stupid musical and the music is just okay. And I was like, you know, that's one way to spend an evening, I guess. I have no, you know, I never saw the original. I don't go to Broadway shows all that much like you do. I don't have the historical context. Like I do. So I haven't seen one in a long time. I, however many you've seen is more than I have by a, a factor of 10. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, what did you think about it? I, I brought no emotional baggage to it, so unlike you, apparently. I mean, I I only know it's so like you know as I'm knowledgeable about the American musical in the smallest sense of the word. My wife is extremely knowledgeable about it, and so like she'll she'll say things to me like we were talking about um, Hugh Jackman's in a new production of um, The Music Man. And I'm like, oh, he'd be good, you know, with his 76 trombone. That sounds like a good role for him. And she's like, oh, he'd be great. But Sutton Foster is playing the other lead. And, and like, and so this is this is somebody who's actually, you know, very famous and very talented. And like, and she began to like rattle off why it was a bad idea. And I'm like, honey, I need some context here. Why is it a bad idea? Like, she's she'll 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 she'll, she'll speak in like a lingo. That's reserved for musical theater nerds, which is a very specific kind of theater nerd. You know, like there, like any subculture, there are even more niche versions of it. And so, I'm not quite sure where I fall into it. I guess I'm the director nerd because I did a lot of that in college, and I tend to approach things from like a, I like Shakespeare and I and I like Shakespearean acting and I like directing. And so, like, you know, those are the things I kind of gravitate towards, and when you bring music into it, it's an entirely different vocabulary and I just don't have a clue. So like, I know a little bit about this, but not a ton. Um, and the thing about this movie, because like, it's just, it's hard to do musicals as movies, you know, and it's just, it's a difficult thing to accomplish because the theater, the physical theater, and the whole, like, we're in a room with people who are literally right in front of us, and they're going to pretend to be other people and say lines that have, are, that have already been written down and they memorized. That's absurd. So when they sing and dance, it's just like, okay, fine. That's just more absurdness on top of this. Like, it's like the presentational aspect of it is so, you know, thorough that you don't mind when they break into song. And, they, and the whole idea behind a musical is that the emotion of the scene builds to the point where the character has to sing. They can no longer speak it to satisfy the emotional pitch. And that doesn't bother you in a theater. In a movie, it's different because it's representational more than presentational for the most part. And La La Land tries to get around that by making the movie more presentational and making things fake and moving stuff in and out and like allowing the emotion to and it doesn't work also because that's not a good the the, the, the music was extremely mediocre in that movie and so were the performances but like film doesn't let it 
that doesn't let you do that. That said, this is probably the greatest movie musical of all time. And I can't imagine something's going to come along and top it anytime soon. This version, you mean? This version. Like, I don't know how you do it any better than this. Which is not to say that this is the greatest movie of all time. But everything about it was pretty much perfect. I mean, Spielberg directs the hell out of this movie. You know, he he went out and found this girl, Rachel Zegler, in Hackensack, New Jersey, who was a YouTube star and 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 answered and answered a thirty thousand person cattle call to get the part of Maria. So there, there's a nobody he just found, and she was perfect. Um, Ansel. Ansel Elgort, whose name I can never say because it's so bizarre, is the yeah. is the biggest star in this movie who's not Rita Moreno. And I'm, I always question whenever they hire movie stars to be in, in musicals. Like, you get Hugh Jackman. That's it. That's your one. Because he's actually been on Broadway a lot. And he's been on the West End a lot. So, okay, fine. But he's even not that good. Like, not compared to the, to the, to the people you could get who are working on Broadway. And so I'm always annoyed when they cast guys like Russell Crowe and Anne Hathaway to be in these movies, and they didn't do that here. They found extremely talented musical theater people to be in this piece of musical theater. You know, the cinematography, you know, Yanis Kaminsky, who's, I think, been the DP on every um, movie that Spielberg has made since Schindler's List. You know, he's just, it's amazing, his... Uh, resume. I mean, it was just gorgeous. Like that, like that thing with the you were saying with like the like the puddle, and like you didn't really know what it was. It was kind of like you knew it was a puddle, but it was also in certain shots. It, you know, it, it it became something else because you were seeing things through his perspective, and to him, he was, you know, so ebullient about having met this girl. You know that the whole world was lighting up, and it, you know it was like a little like a spotlight on him. But it really it was just in it's just in his mind. But it wasn't so distracting as if they had a guy with like a spot. You know, like there's a way to do that subtly, and then there's a way to do it where you're like showing all the scenery. And this is not that. It was subtle enough, and it, and the tra- and the transition to just him standing there in an alleyway that with you know in a puddle. You go, oh yeah, look, he's in a puddle. Like he's just, but he's so happy that everything looks and feels to him different than it did before. I mean, that's genius, you know. And everybody could sing. Everyone hit their notes. Everyone danced. The dancing was great. It was not all the original dancing. I asked my wife, and she's like, "Yeah, no, I," because she learned. Uh, I'm not sure if she was in the show, if she just knew some of the of the of the choreography, but. She said that like she was looking for certain things and she didn't see it. Um, but like they just they hit all their marks and they did all the right things, including the most important thing, which was that they changed the story. And they made it more relatable. So in the in the original play and the original movie, there's just like in Romeo and Juliet, there's really no reason for them to be fighting. There's just white guys and Puerto Rican guys, and they don't like each other, and they've just decided to have it out one day. You know, we're going to have a big rumble and settle this once and for all, even though there's no real reason 
for them to do that. You know, it's it's New York City. It's a big place. Like when, but in this movie, they the <laughs> they're building Lincoln Center on the West Side, and and this is a true story. They through eminent domain, the city bought out you know thousands of of these old tenements and evicted all the people who lived there to build arguably one of the nicest and most unnecessary arts complexes in the world. I mean, it's New York City. Did you need another theater venue? Like, is there, there was nowhere to put the ballet or the opera house? Like, there wasn't a building that existed already where you could house the, you know, um, uh, the opera? Okay. Right, so... They're fighting over the territory then? Yeah, that's the thing. So like in in the original there was no motivation for them to fight. They just didn't like each other because they were racists or whatever and it just kind of things come to a head. Which is what happens in Romeo and Juliet. Things just come to a head and these guys they bump up against each other so many times that things boil over. In this the actual territory the apartment buildings where they you know run their gangs and and again they're not like they're not like you know like in the wire where they you know where the gangs are actually like you know massive drug cartels it's not like that it's just you know they're, they're kids and they're you know they're trying to control and like that area is shrinking because they're demolishing it building by building to build this new complex so that sort of claustrophobic feel permeates the entire movie in the sense that, like, there's a real reason for them to want to have it out now because if they don't, it's going to come later when they're down to one building and they've, they, they've got n- nothing left to fight for. So it's this weird desperation on the part of these children who are, you know, trying to maintain control over territory for what end, it's unclear, but they're children, so it really doesn't matter too, too much. And that's a big thing, because that, that, that gives the whole... and It's literally like the first shot of the movie. <laughs> it's like, here comes Lincoln Center, and everyone watching it is supposed to recognize that fact right away. Um, and so, like, that was good. And they also did other small things where they moved, you know, a few things around. So the, the scene with the gun when they're dancing over the gun, that song, Cool, I didn't, I forgot this because I haven't seen the movie in years, actually comes at the end of the movie after, um, what's his name? I can't, uh, uh, Bernardo's been killed. And they're looking for Tony. And they they, they want to go take revenge because uh, what's his name was also killed and uh, I can't think of their names. It's by blanking on all this stuff. Um, the hell Z- Ziff? Ziff, Zbiff, Ziff, Zap, Riff. Oh, Thank wait, you. it's Riff. Riff. <laughs> Riff. So Riff gets killed, Bernard gets killed, and the Jets want to go over there and really kill the Sharks, and they sing cool to each other to get them to calm down. In this, it's better. It's Tony playing the part, you know, that he's playing more so by saying we have to calm down we have to stop trying to kill each other. This is not going to work well. And if you have a gun, that makes things worse. Also, the gun is new. 
Because the gun is like becomes this thing. It lingers in the entire movie. It becomes Chekhov's gun. It's there. You know once they introduce it, it's, it's going to pay off in the end somehow, and, and you don't know. It doesn't happen at the Rumble in the salt room, um, so which, which increases the tension. In the original, they just say, oh, Chico's got a gun. He's looking for Tony. You know, Chico's magic gun that shows up at the end of the... Uh, at the end of the movie, to, uh, to kill Tony. But here, that that it appears earlier and was bought by Riff to kill t- uh, 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 to kill Bernardo. You know, it's it's just much, 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 much better writing. And you can thank Tony Kushner, who's a lunatic, but he can write and he understands structure. You know, better than uh, than most. So, um, but just I just thought everything about it was like it wasn't a perfect movie. But if you're going to make this movie, these are the people you put in it. And this is how you shoot it. And this is how you choreograph it. And, you know, it's just there's no way to do this. Yeah. And maybe that's just why I'm so, like, lukewarm on it. Because it's, it just isn't as good as I didn't think it was as good as everybody keep, kept telling me it was. You know, like, oh, it's it's this famous as well. It's Romeo and Juliet. It's this, it's that. Look, there's a bazillion Romeo and Juliet's that it was old when Shakespeare did it. Yeah. Okay. So you need more than that. And like when I was watching this version, even though it was better, you know, it was tightly plotted, you know, it was better than the original, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's still oh. Romeo and it's still Romeo and Juliet. It occurs over a day and a half. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> the original Romeo and Juliet. It, is also very silly and melodramatic. What elevates that above everything else is the language. And so when it's being taught as someone who's taught it, you know, you're not really harping on the plot and things like that. You're trying to show students why the language is so amazing. That's why it endures, you know, and that's why we won't be talking about Nomeo and Juliet in <laughs> 400 years on DVD. You know, because it's not the, the fact that two warring houses and this and the children fall in love and everything. That's a tale as old as time. So, you know, I knew the songs because I played them in band. And I'm not exaggerating. When you learn that stuff in seventh grade, you know, it's burned into your brain forever. Um, but I still didn't think they were like amazing songs. They're, they're okay. I mean, they some get, people really love them. They but, get stuck in your head. You know, I I, mean, I really I, I, only I, like the one song. Which one? When, about coming to America. Yeah, that's, that's my song. favorite one too. Yeah, America's a great song. I mean, some of them are a little sappy. They're a little, little I mean, you know, it's, it's Leonard Bernstein. So, like, you're going to get some of that wistful yeah. weepiness involved. I mean. A lot the, of staring up at the sky, you know. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> And that's the music. The lyrics are genius. And the fact that you could take some some this kind of music and give it a sort of intelligence through the lyrics, which is what Sondheim did with this. You know, sometimes they're very straightforward. Sometimes they're a little bit surprising. Like, just the things that fall out of people's mouths are not... Like, they're, that's not melodramatic. Those things belie thought. And like they've, they're, you 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 can understand people thinking through what's happening to them while it's happening, and so it's not Shakespeare. But I mean, 
the, 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 there are things about this play and about this move, this version of it, that push against the form. You know, like if somebody else directs this, like if Tom Hopper directs this movie, then you know you get a bunch of of stars who can't do anything, and you just dub it, you dub over them like they did with 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 Natalie Wood in the original. Um, you know, if if it's somebody else writing the music or, or writing the lyrics to to the melodies, it becomes sappy and sort of forgettable. And like America's not written. Like it's the most modern of all the songs in in the show. It doesn't get written, but by Stephen Sondheim, where they where they where they emphasize, you know how. You know, they want to be here, but they're treated terribly. Like, the dichotomy of that is powerful. You know, it's, you know, it drives one half the whole story forward like a, you know, like a train. And, you know, so there's so many things with this that could just easily morph into parody, which it did in 1961 when they, when they made the movie. And it doesn't do it here. It's kind of given the, the space of time to look at it like a period piece where, you know, it, it seems quaint at times, but that works for it. It doesn't seem to, you know, to, like you couldn't do this movie about, you know, you you couldn't take the wire and make that into a to a a song and dance musical. It like it wouldn't work, and that's kind of what they were doing in 1961. And it was dumb, and it was silly, and you know, people liked the songs, and so it stuck around forever. Um, but you know, it, 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 it'd be as, as stupid as, 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 as Omar's, you know, you know, doing a, a tap number in the middle of, <laughs> you know, of the yard kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so like, it's just, it, it this is as good as it gets and it's very, very good. And there are parts of it, I think that are, you know, Truly excellent, too. I mean, Rachel Zegler is, she has a phenomenal voice. She was certainly pitch corrected and tuned, but they all yeah, were. I, I actually had a hard time understanding what she was saying sometimes. What, speaking or singing? Singing, because her voice would go so high. Yeah, well, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, she can so do it. It's kind of like, oh, what is that? I mean, she can do it, but I can't understand it. That's all. I'm just saying that was me. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> It's it's a little operatic, you know, like that's which is actually the kind of musical theater singing, female singing that I like. Um, you know, you, you can do Patti Lapone, which is brassy and you know, kind of bawdy and in your face, and it, you can clearly hear everything. Or you could do like Audrey McDonald or you know somebody more operatic, more classically trained, where you're not gonna. The goal isn't to understand all the words; it's to, you know, to, to, to hear her voice make those sounds, which nobody else can do. Um, but you, you do sacrifice clarity in that. But, um, but like, so like the and Ansel Elgort, I thought was phenomenal. He hit a note. I can't think of the song, the name of the song, but the song he sings to um, uh, Rita, Rita, Rita Moreno's character. In the beginning of the movie, was like, oh, uh, uh, tonight, where he's he's about this, like, I'm gonna go out tonight. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna meet. You know, I have a good feeling about tonight. I think it's just called tonight. I forget. 
Um, but the final note of that song is like a really high note. And he hit it. And again, everything runs through through the computer. Thank you, NASA. And it comes out the other side and it's perfect. But you you know, you if it's if you do too much pitch correction, it sounds fake. You get into like the uncanny valley of audio. And it just sounds like your voice never made that sound. It didn't even come close to it. But it didn't. Like, I remember hearing that that note and going, "Oh, oh, that's a nice note." Like it just because like you know where the song is going. It's getting higher and higher and higher. And then there's his last note. And I I turned to, to my wife and I'm going, "Oh, I didn't think he was going to hit that note." And he, and he pretty much did. Um, and I think all like this like the guy who played riff was fantastic. Uh, he was probably the best. Yeah, he was easily the best of the bunch. Corey Stoll as the lieutenant. Um, the guy who played um, um, Officer Krupke is a fairly famous Broadway actor uh, named Brian Darcy James, who shows up in a lot of like random movies. He was in um, what was that movie uh, about the Boston Globe and the child abuse scandal? What was that called? A, a spotlight. spotlight? Yeah, he was one of the of the reporters in that movie. He was he's he's just a great actor. He's also you know a, a big song, so, uh, song and dance man. Um, but I think of all of the things that surprised me about this movie, uh, you know, that I did uh, th- 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 something I, re- I really didn't expect was how dangerous it felt at times. Like part of the excuse me, part of the silliness about the original and just, you know, what makes it bizarre to have, a you know, a musical about a bunch of street toughs is that no one looks tough doing ballet. And that's what they're doing, is ballet. Um, And that kind of neuters them for, like, there really being any real sense of danger. Like, someone's going to, you know, like, there's... The stakes never seem that high, and you kind of know people are, are going to get hurt and die, but you also know that like they're not going to show you any kind of. There's not going to be any serious violence in this movie. It's not like a gory type of thing. But I don't know the build up to the fight and the you know the way in which they that the characters were presented and shot and the way in which they that they acted really you know. I took it seriously when when they were saying that, like you know, they they were going over the list of weapons that they were going to bring to the brawl in the bathroom, like the intensity which the characters brought to it, and the seriousness which was they took it. You know, it 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 sort of made it less goofy at that point, which is odd because they just did a whole like you know thing where they're doing. A mambo five minutes ago, or like what you know, whatever kind of dance they were doing, like it shouldn't follow that I, you know, I go, oh, that you know, he's really gonna hurt that guy. Like you, you shouldn't be afraid of characters after they've been dancing like they were just in the previous scene. But something about the gravitas they brought to it, I was really sold on that. I don't know if you felt the same. I think it was just the. I think it was the acting. Because you know, it was a really interesting scene to me was. When they go to buy the gun yeah. and they go to some Irish bar and there's two degenerates there who sell them the gun and they're adults. 
like they are what these street tough kids would be in five, 10 years, like jaded, possibly drunk and out, you know, alcoholic, drug addict, no good nicks, let's say, you know, and buying the gun from them makes the boys look really, really young and out of their depth. You know, like they suddenly aren't tough anymore and they're a little afraid of these two guys and, and things like that. And so they, everybody's selling those scenes really, really well. So I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't think they were going to kill each other or this or that. And then you see a scene like that and you're like, oh, right. Because the kids are just kids. They're, they're young and they admit that what they're fighting for is just the stupidness and you know, the emptiness of, of what life they are going to have because they're not educated and they're poor and they come from bad families and things like that. So I, I think it was more shocking when they actually like you saw like the rumble go down and they start hitting each other in the face with tire irons. And I was like, oh, my God, like <laughs> I, I didn't see that coming. I mean, you're right. I don't see eyeballs getting gouged out, but um, that's when the violence felt real because at that point it just felt like you know they're they're play acting they're, they're they're just acting tough yeah and their their performances really sell that yeah and that's 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 not easy to do given what you know what they're doing um so i guess my only complaint about it and it's, it's sort of it's the one thing about the original movie that i forgot about was um the the character of anybody's who oh, the girl yeah well, careful in She's the supposed to be a girl in this film though isn't she well that's the thing in the original movie it was i and i told again this is a, I've seen a long time it, it was a um it was a part played by susan oaks and it was she was a tomboy, and I don't remember anything about her or her performance or what like her what her 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 character was like in um like what what the role was for her. I think they make fun of her for being a tomboy because she is biologically female. Um, but in this case, she's a person a trans person and that kind of felt like the only bit of sort of modernness that was sort of thrust into it and it's such a, a hot button issue now and I didn't quite understand I don't know there's something about the way it was handled that was so intense and sort of out of character like in the you know in the original it's a she, she's a tomboy she wants to hang out with the boys they tease her you know, my wife said in the original she was really young. Yeah, she's like but, twelve or thirteen, so they don't want her around. Yeah, like she, yeah, she, you're too young to join that Jets. Get out of here, you know, with those stupid yeah. accents. Yeah, right. it's ridiculous, actually. Right, but like the character herself is not pitiful. The character herself is, um. You know, she's, uh, you know, you, you kind of not, you feel sorry for her in the sense that she wants to be part of a group and she's being excluded. But also she is too young. She, she is a girl and they're all boys. And 
it's kind of like better you don't join the gang of toughs and like she's just a tomboy she's well she'll kind of grow out of it kind of thing is what i'm sure what they what they were writing in 1961 now whenever you see a person a trans person on screen or on stage who is being persecuted you're showing you're being shown somebody who might be very you know confident in who they are and who they want to be versus who they were when they were born um but there is something there, there is the element of the tragic or of the struggle in them. You know, like, it's not just that this character is, you know, is arguing with the boys in the gang about being part of the gang. It's she's arguing with her own body as to who she actually is. See, I, I didn't see any of what you're talking about. It's just, she wasn't, she was, it was just so serious. Her, her, her entire performance was so serious and it wasn't she wasn't there it, it, you know it wasn't fun it wasn't lighthearted they were vicious to her and she continues to display loyalty loyalty to them to the point where she shows up at the end trying to get tony out when he's like when he thinks when he thinks uh, that that marie is dead and she's like no i can help you i can or he can help you like whatever i pronouns just drive me crazy but like because like I- I only saw it as first of all. I didn't realize that was a, that it was a girl. I was just like, "Who is that one person in the background that they keep brushing off?" And it's not until like almost the end of the movie I realized, or when they were in the, the police precinct, yeah, and they were all arrested, and she started speaking, and I was like, "Oh my god, this person is, is a female." Oh, and then my first and the first thought in my head went, "That's why they don't like her because girls don't join the gang in the nineteen early nineteen sixties." Yeah. And then I just shrugged and said, okay, they don't want her in the gang. And she wants to desperately be in the gang because she likes to dress like a tomboy. And that's the most thought I put into it. There were women like that. I don't know if they were trans or not. They just didn't want to wear dresses. I mean, this was a very typical, stereotypical time when, you know, all the women in this movie are, you know, women that with the dresses and the hair and you know, they don't dress like men with pants on and stuff. So this girl obviously doesn't want to be that, but she doesn't fit in with the boys because the boys are also stereotypical. So I was just like, yeah. And then she only earns their respect at the end by helping them out. So I looked at it as like, she's just going to stick around until she gets their respect, which she does, Mm -hmm. even though it's pretty much too late. And, you know, their respect isn't worth getting anyway. Right. You know, so like, I didn't, I didn't make that leap that, you know, she was some sort of, I mean, maybe she is in real life as well, but that doesn't come through in the movie. I don't know. I think that, you know, the fact that it's, maybe it's, it's, it's a point of view thing from my end. Like I, I don't see, I don't know. It just seemed they were trying so hard to make it look like the person was biologically male. And, Versus like a tomboy shown in in the old movie, like it's very obvious that she's not a, a a boy in the you know in the original. Like there's like you know when 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 there's a tomboy character, it's kind of lighthearted and fluffy and sort of you know it's not a you know it's, there's there's no sort of heaviness to that role. In this, there was a heaviness to it, and she was really you know persecuted by 
by the gang, and she gets ex- she's the only one that gets extremely violent with the police. Well. She beats up a bunch of cops, and so like so so there there is a rage inside of her that wasn't present in the original role. Where she, you know, yeah, that's but is it's more understandable that no one likes her, right? The cops, yeah, and so it's like she, it's it's not simply a matter of that she, you know, she wants to be in the in the gang and that she can't. It's that like the like the heaviness with with which the role is played and the and as far as she goes with with the police and maybe I'm forgetting a scene in 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 the sixty one version where she does try to prove herself to the gang by getting into a fight with the cops. But just, just sort of the aggressiveness with, with which she behaves, you know, speaks to a sort of an inner rage that comes from feeling like you're trapped in the wrong body. And I just felt like they, they were trying to hammer that home as for sort of like a modern uh, perspective on something in no, an otherwise was, very 1950s story. I just thought it was rage because no one would accept her. Yeah, I could be overthinking it. It's entirely possible. That's just... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Now you're getting it. Because there's, there's nothing else like that in the entire movie. It stood out to me, yeah. It's that it, it's just sort of like, oh, there's this character that was sort of not shoehorned in because she was there in the original, but it sort of tweaked a little bit to be more recognizable as someone going through something specific and you know distinctly modern whereas in the 50s it would have been like she'll grow out of it and she'll put on 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 dresses and and then the marry a boy and have kids and not live her life like that you know like there like there are there are tomboys you know who are just girls that end up playing softball and you know marrying boys and having babies and then then there are like you know then there's transgendered men who you know were born female and then lived their life in such a certain in, in a specific way and this seems, kind of seems to want to at least approach the latter as being the you know the cause of her desire to want to be in the gang and her and her frustration you know amplify when she couldn't be i don't know i don't know but um, this is the first time I ever had to shush somebody in a movie theater. <laughs> oh my god! I was I was sitting next. Almost everybody in the theater was old. You well, know? yeah, that's <laughs> so. Um, there was this this couple next to me, and they just wouldn't shut the hell up. Every time somebody came on, they were like, "Oh, that's the person who's playing this role from the original." Oh yeah, and then they would check their phone. And so they're like, oh my God, this is annoying. And at one point, you know, Gimbals was, oh, remember Gimbals? Like, shut up. You don't care about Gimbals, you idiots. <laughs> Eventually, I just turned to them. I'm like, excuse me, there's a movie on, I said. And they like got all mad and looked at me. They, they shut up after that, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep it in anymore. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. It was one of those things where, I don't know if you've been watching Hawkeye, but like you walk out of the theater like, Thanos was right. <laughs> some some people need to go. <laughs> you know, we're all coming back to the movie theaters here, and you're pulling this crap. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but you're not in your living room anymore. Right, and they still kept looking at their phones, even though they weren't talking as loud. You know, I just 
That's and of course they were old. So like the screen was all the way up and they don't have dark mode on anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very quietly burning out their corneas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're just cooking in the inside of your eye. You know that, right? Uh, you know, yeah. Would you stare at a light bulb for 19 hours a day? <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> so, so that sucked. <laughs> that's very frustrating. I sat in a theater that was maybe 58 degrees. I and like cool. it was just, I think it was the same theater that we saw James Bond in that 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 one time. Uh, yeah. And I and I recall it being kind of cold for comedy then too. But uh it's it was just too cold. We we should have should move seats. But um but yeah, so the, I don't. I thought this was great. I think if you like musicals, you'll love this. I think if you like the original, you'll love this. You know, I think even if you're not a big fan of musicals, you know, you'll still enjoy this. This was like this is not a short movie. It's two and a half hours long, but it doesn't really feel like it's two and a half hours long. It does suffer from the same problem that the original has: is that Tony, spoiler alert, um, or uh kills bernardo and riff dies at the be- like the end of the second act beginning of the third act so like y- that happens and you've still got a ways to go before the movie is over and so like it's it's not everything builds to that it happens we are surprised about what happens at, as a result theoretically and then there's the fallout from that and like the whole tenor of the film changes, and it just be, you 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 realize that this is not going to end well. And I I also will say that like that's the thing about this that I always, if you can pull off like that feeling in the back of my head going I don't know, maybe they're going to make it this time. That's pretty impressive to me. And and I I did have that that thought when they were at the cloisters. I kind of like well you know maybe maybe this is the version where Tony and Maria you know. You know, go move to New Jersey and <laughs> set up, you know, like you know, open up a, a drugstore there. You know, like, but you know, it's you know, it was it was odd and like, it makes sense. But at the very, very end, when Chino shoots Tony, and they have this big, oh, she cries over his body. They say goodbye, and then the both sides pick him up and carry him out like it's a funeral. The cops show up and arrest him. And then it ended. And I looked at my wife like, that's it? There's not There's not one more. I thought because the movie felt long to me. I was like, there's not one more scene of like anything. Like them knocking out a building or her moving away. I mean, Romeo and Juliet kind of ends that way. Where they both basically just say, you know, all right. Now both sides are going to be happy to each other because of what they've lost. But I I thought there'd just be like one more closing statement or something. <laughs> there wasn't anything. I guess that's true. Like somebody had mentioned, I think it was in the 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 Richard Rushfeld um, newsletter, uh, the Anchor, which I, I I read occasionally. He he had taken his daughter to see it. I guess she's fairly young, and you know you get to the end of the movie, and you know he dies, and I always forget that that Maria doesn't die at the end of this. Um, yeah, I think that would have been a bit much. Well, right. It's, it's better that she doesn't. And, she's, and she and she has a great little scene there where she says, like, how do I use this thing? 
<laughs> you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, hang on there, lady. But um, anyway, so this guy takes his daughter to see it, and at the end, she's like, he dies? But that's it? That's He he just dies? And it's like, <laughs> it's funny to think of it like, yeah, you didn't know that? Like, it's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, of course he dies. Like, that's, that's what this is. And I, 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 I think people aren't expecting now not that. It's sort of an emotional letdown. Like you kind of, we have an, a, an expectation as a modern audience that like there is something to come from this whole thing and it usually people figure out a way to make it, but they don't in this case and they don't really make movies like this anymore. Like they don't make tragedies like this, love story tragedies. Can you think of one in the last 25, 30 years where it was like people trying to get together and, you know... Well, I know in La La Land they don't end up together, right? But, but at, least, nobody... at least no one dies. No, yeah, dies. like they 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 do find a satisfaction in their lives, just not with each other, and that's partially tragic and partially not. But like, yeah, no, there's nothing else so overdramatic, you know. And maybe that's just because you know Romeo and Juliet is still a little bit sort of, you know, as literature, somewhat juvenile. It was his first tragedy. So, he's, you know, it's forgiven for being a little over the top. You know, once you get to Hamlet and King Lear, you know, and then The Tempest, you get into far more sophisticated stuff. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. and I, Well, people don't always realize that. Do people kind of think Shakespeare exists in sort of a single... <laughs> Instant, like one day, all these plays simply appeared out of nowhere, and that's not accurate. There's the you know, you know, to go from Titus Andronicus to um, what the hell is that one called? Um, to 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 Cymbeline, it takes about 50 years, you know, just do that over and over, not 50, but like 25, 30 years. That doesn't happen overnight, and this is an early one, it's just so damn famous because. You know, it's the most relatable of all of them, even if at the end it kind of goes off the rails. Uh, but, yeah. but I think you're right, too. I think they needed, like, there is a final bit of dialogue in, I, I don't know what the end of Shakespeare's play is, like, but, you know, I well, one of the fathers so, so kind of says, okay, we learned our lesson. Let's not be jerks to each other anymore because our kids are dead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, of course, in typical overdramatic fashion, I think they said, like, I'll build a statue of her. He's, oh, I'll build a statue of your son and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll never fight again. Like they say something. And then it's the prince who says everyone is punished because of this. Yes, it's the prince has the, has the, has the last line. All are yeah. punished. Well, yeah, we're all punished. You lost, you lost your only children. I lost a friend. Like everybody loses somebody. Yeah. And, and it just sort like of here they, they just pick sums up, it up. Anyway. yeah, and yeah. They just walk off. And I, I really thought there'd be one more thing. Mm, okay, I think it. I mean, I'm trying to think what would that thing have been if if it needed to be a visual thing. I actually think what 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 would have been best is if they tied it back into the original shot of the movie, which was of the the. Uh, 
you know the Lincoln Center, right? Lincoln Center. Like if they had oh, taken yeah, that, it didn't have to be words. It could have just no. Been. Oh yeah, no, no, yeah. But like, what if they had taken that shot and then just sh- give you like a like a time lapse of the next so many years, right? And you then like, just had different colored skinned kids playing near the building that's almost finished. Well, you know, we not, crane shot out. And that's I mean, it. maybe maybe it's hopeful like that. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's this like, you know, this was the spot where this guy's life ended, where this boy died, and now it's just nothing. It's just a, a gentrified. Yeah, you know, you could like, show it now. Yeah, like you could show it in nineteen twenty twenty one. It's just it's just a street. Yeah, you no, know. no plaque, no nothing. You know, there's nothing there to. You know, the drugstore is gone. Yeah, that 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 might have been a bit more powerful. Yeah, way to go, Stephen. <laughs> My friend here says it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a callback and a half right there. <laughs> Those of you uh, who've got your uh, your bingo card, you can check off uh, Austin Powers reference right there. <laughs> my friend here. Says I have it's some concerns. Well, my friend here <laughs> says it's fine. Oh. So anyway, <laughs> would you yeah. would you recommend uh, West Side Story to people, or would you do it uh, with reservations? Like, yeah, yeah only go yeah. if you like this. If you like if you like movie musicals, you sh- it's good. You should see it. You know, something different. Yeah, I think everyone should go see it just because. I mean, if, if, first of all, it's doing terribly. It's not making any money. Well, it's it's not a universal thing that everybody wants to see. Everybody in the theater was old because they have fond memories of the original. Um. Musical theater isn't always that popular anyway. No, and I think the There's target a, demographic here, which is like older women, are the ones who are not going back to theaters just yet. You know, yeah, it's Christmas time. There's a plague going on, and everyone there was seeing Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, everyone I saw, like our theater was in the little tiny one, and there were 20 theaters there, and like Spider-Man was on half of them. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man so. made... Oh, it made oh. a bazillion. So so far, like as of right now, the total gross for Spider Man is almost three hundred million dollars, yeah, which is just bananas when you consider the big picture. I mean, that's big money before the pandemic. Yeah, well, people really like Spider Man. I do. Re- I've been really watching Spider Man since I was six, so yeah. I get it. Yeah, I'm 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 hoping to get to it next week after Christmas, and I just I I I, I kind of want to find a Vax only theater. That, like I like there is one, and like I could probably go to that one. And you know, you can still get COVID <laughs> if you're vaccinated, but like I think people who are who are going to go to like the small art house to see Spider Man are not the same people going to like the Alamo Draft House. Yeah. So you just kind of like you know, risk management is the name of the game here. So, but um, if you guys out there have any thoughts about uh, West Side Story or anything related to musical theater, uh, you should uh, let us know on Instagram or on Twitter. We are at Three Drinks in Pod on both. 
You can uh, post things to us on Facebook. Email us at three drinks in podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to, subs- to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and do try and leave ratings and reviews, which you can definitely do now on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Check out our merchandise store at TeePublic for all your Christmas shopping needs. And I think that's everything. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. all right. As always, please drink responsibly. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Could be Who knows There's something due any day I will know right away Soon as it shows It may come cannonballing down to the sky Gleaming its eye bright as a rose It's only just out of reach Down the block on a beach Under a tree I got a feeling there's a miracle do Gonna come true, coming to me Could it be? Yes it could Something's coming, something good If I can wait Something's coming, I don't know what it is But it is gonna be great With a click, with a shock Phone will jingle, door will knock Open the latch Something's coming, don't know when But it's soon, catch the moon One-handed catch Just by holding still, it'll be there. Come on, something, come on in. Don't be shy, meet a guy, pull up a chair. The air is humming, and something great is coming. Who knows? It's only just out of reach. Down the block on a beach Maybe tonight Maybe tonight